Up next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson, pastor of Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. John chapter 14, picking up in verse 22, Jesus, now speaking to his apostles post-upper room last supper, post-Judas Iscariot's departure, is having a conversation now as to the real nuts and bolts, the down and dirty, cutting edge relationship with God that is necessary for both the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in their lives, as well as the power to overcome sin and the power to do his ministry on this earth. And he says in verse 22, this is Judas speaking, but not not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas. And it says, Judas said to him, Lord, what has happened that you are about to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Now, Gang, from the beginning of faith, men have sought for Christ to show himself. And they've sought for him to do so in some dramatic fashion. Men have sought to set him up as king and conqueror. And today, of course, we wanted to make him president, or at least elect a president that would rule as we imagine Christ would rule. Mankind wants the flash and the miraculous and the spectacular. The world approaches Christ with a circus attitude, if you will. Uh, We want to applaud, we want to cheer, we want the ooh and the awe. But the world has never understood Jesus, nor does it grasp his revelation and his purpose. The world does not know him, nor can they know him. 1 Corinthians 2.14, speaking of this, says, Now the natural man doesn't receive the things of God's Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, and he can't know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So you see, even at this point, the apostles themselves didn't quite understand. I mean, they were still thinking and dwelling in the physical realm. Thus, the statements of Jesus here just didn't make any sense to them. They tended to still be uh, living the belief that Jesus would rise up and overthrow the government. That he would be an earthly king. And we're still putting words in his mouth, and we're still rewriting scripture to serve up our political and fleshly agenda. Now, this Judas, uh, he wasn't like Judas Iscariot by any means, but he still had issues too. He was just that kind of man. I mean, Judas, this Judas, was still thinking inside the box, if you will. His theology just didn't match what Jesus was saying. I mean, he had a choice. The same as all of us have in such situations, he could either ignore the obvious, rewrite the past, reinterpret the meaning, or change our thinking and receive that clear truth that was herein being presented by Christ. That choice is something we we all have, each and every one of us, each and every time we come to church or delve into his word. Look, the bottom line is this. Did Jesus say what he meant and mean what he said? Or was he speaking in some abstract metaphor or deep philosophical meanings which are simply open to multiple interpretations. Because the apostles, they didn't understand how they could see him, they could know him, but the world at large could not. Verse 23 
says, Jesus answered him, Judas that is, if a man loves me, he'll keep my word. My father will love him and he will come to him and make my home, make our home with him. Now, the answer to this apparent mystery was simply within the sphere of a disciple's active love towards Christ. It was then followed by the disciples' obedience to the one they loved. And then the subsequent outpouring of the Father's love toward that disciple. But it was in that linear, step-by-step path. As part of this love manifest, Jesus says, Note, we will come unto that disciple and will make our home with him. That's really interesting. Because Jesus herein is both clearly emphasizing the coming of the Holy Spirit and he's sharing the reality of the Trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will come unto the disciple. We'll make our home with him. And it is within that relationship that we find communion with God when, quite frankly, the rest of the world is running around madly seeking for that which they cannot see and they cannot know. Without the Holy Spirit in us, the truth is we are blind. Now this explains the absolute foolishness we see in those who profess to know God but reject his obvious instruction. They readily hurt themselves and those around them and ultimately will plunge headlong into the abyss of worldly and self-centered darkness. This is simply because they are not filled with the Spirit of God. No, no, no extra biblical judgment of spiritual condition is necessary for me to know that fact. When a person is constantly running headline, or excuse me, headlong into a brick wall, resulting in a spiritual bloody nose, and then when they're confronted, he denies the wall, he denies the bloody nose, he denies your clarity, he denies your right to point out the brick wall. If all that's happening, then quite clearly that person remains in the dark. There's no presence of the Holy Spirit in that person. And to argue such would simply be to negate the Spirit's power to transform and would reject his innate nature to provide light and sight. And ultimately, it would simply call God a blind liar. Again, the text says, If a man loves me, he will keep my word. Therefore, it's not a condemnation nor an unloving judgment to understand that if we don't keep his word, we don't love him. In such a state, according to this passage, there is no promise of his indwelling presence. Oh, indeed, like in the wilderness journey, his love will continue, but ultimately, it is not received by thy disobedient prodigal son. Oh, yes, again, the prodigal's father loved him. But by the prodigal son's own lack of proximity in the fact that he had already fled the presence of his father's relationship, there was no love received by that rebellious son. Do you follow me? There was no love received because the rebellious son simply wasn't where he could, where he should be, where he could be in order to receive that love. Now look, we must never make the fatal mistake in believing that somehow disobedience to God is just a trivial matter in light of God's grace. Jesus died so that we would have the power to overcome sin. To reject the cross 
and all of its underlying meaning is simply to reject salvation, reject Christ, and to reject eternal life with God. I have known many who claim they love Jesus in one breath and then openly admit to continuing in disobedience in the next. That's just blindness, and that is the absence of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 3.24 says, He who keeps his commandments remains in him, and he in him. By this we know that he remains in us, by the Spirit that he gave us. Verse 24 says, He who doesn't love me doesn't keep my words. The word that you hear isn't mine, but the Father's who sent me. I have said these things to you while still living with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of all that I said to you. Jesus says something in this passage that is remarkable, and we need to note it. We have read that Jesus has said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so our tendency then is to scour the Bible, seeking God's express orders, and then step up and obey him like a good little soldier. But there's no love in that. Such as simply an obedience motivated by stance and by fear, by habit or some other drive. So we compile a commandment list and we seek to maintain that list. Yet all of it is simply a matter of duty rather than of love. You see, that that's the difference between legalism and grace, gang. Jesus is clearly going further here. In verses 23 and 24, he's saying, If a man loves me, he'll keep my word. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Now, Jesus goes even further with this idea of love unity and its reflection of obedience. Because he says here that such is reflected in one's keeping of his word and his words. Therefore, this is more than just a snappy salute and a boot camp adherence to God's list of commandments. This is an issue of relationship. Our faith is more than a reception of a letter detailing the parameters of Christendom and eternal life. No, it's a personal association. It's a bond. It's a a kinship with Christ, if you will. What do I mean by that? Well, many of us today obey his commandments, but we reject his words. We adhere to the march, ah, but we miss the rhythm of his steps. I have heard those tell me I'm not sinning, meaning they're not running overtly against the corporate commands of God, but they know in their hearts, and again, some even openly admit this, that they're not listening to, nor are they obeying the words of God in instruction as to their personal life and calling and the manifest of his presence inside of them individually. The Holy Spirit is the manifest of God, which brings his words to our minds and hearts. Not just his commands, but the words he gives us to direct our daily paths to the personal calling upon each of our lives. Many of us are listening to his commandments and are adhering to the letter of the law, but we're failing to allow his spirit to direct us with his words. You know, that's still small voice. So the result is the appearance of obedient children, but are actually, in truth, still wandering aimlessly around through life, not knowing, often not wanting to know what God wants us individually and specifically to do with our lives. We can believe God is pleased with us, 
because we're not breaking any of his commandments, but there is much more to a walk of faith than that. For that, we would have needed only the written word, not the living word, which the whole book of John embodies. Nor would we need this helper to live inside of us to guide us daily. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He's not merely an experiential thrill or a buzz that we tap into. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to reveal God's truth to us individually and to guide us in a specific plan for our lives. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. To learn more about Tim Dodson or Believer's Church, visit jfbelievers.com.